and the choir a big hand with Jizzy. <clears throat> Our heading off and being involved with that. You know, I am uh, uh, completely impressed uh, with us as people. I mean, look around you. We're a nice looking group of people, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Beautiful and handsome and good looking. Uh, and not just you, the person next to you, too. I just <laughs> really appreciate it. Look at these guys. Thank you guys for uh, setting all this stuff up for us. But, you know, we're also wise and we're creative. Uh, we're strong and gifted, talented. And we, uh, one of the truth is, is that we, we really strive uh, to be efficient. Uh, we want to get the most out of things that we can. And, and not only that, we try to be resourceful and, and economical and, and, and green and not wasteful. Uh, but the reality is, <laughs> uh, we can be exactly the opposite, can't we? <laughs> Someone call it uh, downright being lazy. And it's, and it's all over our world. Like, you know, we, we build uh, 24-hour fitness and yet with escalators. This doesn't quite make sense, you know. <laughs> or, or I love this one. This guy has a job on an island, so he boats over to the island, and it's about 100 yards to his lighthouse, and he has to drive. <laughs> or some people use their car like this to walk their dog, <laughs> or they never get uh, defrost their freezer. Or I'd love to know the city worker that had the job of naming the streets or the roads, so he names this one Street. lazy or or people like uh, you know they're out on a paddle boat and paddle board and you're, you're usually supposed to stand on those i think if you're just going to sit why don't you sit on the shore or if you really were able to pan out with this guy's yard it's really not that big and he wants a rider mower and so instead of getting when he gets his friends with his atv to help him and then my favorite my favorite is this is that this guy goes out i'm going to go buy a doorstop but I'm so lazy I can't even pull it out of the package. I'll just throw the whole thing down there and you stop the door. <laughs> we can be lazy, can't we? Well, sometimes we can even be lazy and want to purchase some products like these. Check this out. Are you an active, productive member of society? Why? Seriously, why? Brilliant scientists and tiny overseas hands work 18-hour days to produce devices that can make you even lazier than a stereotypical American. So, plop down, whip out your credit card, and get barely moving. Number one, the clapper control. The 80s classic. But they never told you about the dark side. Red hands, blisters, strong wrists. The new millennium brings us clapper plus. Good enough until they come up with the plus plus edition. Buy it. Number two, the mix assist. Lazies love lumping chocolate into everything, but milk mixing is mind-numbing, to say the most. But thanks to the Moo Mixer, chocolate milk is merely a button away. Buy it! Number three, the Twirl Trouble. Tired of warping your wrist to wrap the spaghetti on your fork? The Twirling Spaghetti Fork takes all of the guesswork out of Italian food. Buy it! Number four, Lazy Licking. With all that licking, you're probably using up all the calories you're getting from that ice cream. Or something. With the motorized ice cream cone, just stick out your tongue and let the ice cream lick you. Uh... Buy it! Number five, chomp and chug. By now, you've noticed the one thing those dumb geniuses never considered. 
the strain all this eating laziness would put on your thumb. You deserve a hands-free break. Soda pop below, sweet nuggets on the top. The Nugget Cup. One chunk slurp motion. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Congratulations. You've completely depleted the Earth's energy resources to make yourself one of the laziest people in the world. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Is it that bad? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, hey, I might want to get one of those twirler thingers. Yeah, don't. <laughs> the sad reality is all over our world we're getting less and less active. Not only is it affecting our, our health with heart disease and obesity and diabetes, but the lack of activity also leads to lethargy and inability to concentrate, lower grades, and even depression. And with the rise of, of video games and, and more TV stations than we can even imagine, uh, and the technology, the temptation is great to just do nothing and laze around. Now, I'm not talking about viewing a nice game on TV, uh, <clears throat> but when we spend exorbitant amounts of time, we lose the ability to think and only look for the easy way around, like Joseph Aaron, uh, a Florida young adult in his 20-somethings, um, who was hit in the leg with a piece of a bullet he fired at the exhaust pipe of his car. True story. You're wondering, why is he shooting at his exhaust pipe of his car? Well, he needed to repair the exhaust pipe of his car, and he needed to bore a hole in the pipe to be able to secure it with a bolt. Yet, he was too lazy to get out the drill and take the time to set things up, so he figured, oh, I've got a brilliant lazy idea. I'm going to get out my 22 and shoot a hole in it thought it would be easier, <laughs> yet this project took a lot more time and cost due to his trip to the hospital. His laziness was just plain stupid. Don't try that at home, please. <laughs> now we laugh, yet we're not much different. We hear about friends who are losing weight, and we want that quick fix, yet how did they get it? They got active. We wonder how people accomplish what they do, and yet we look for the easy way out. They achieved because they chose to get active. And even with people who grow spiritually, like last week, we saw a number of people up here giving testimonies, and some commissioned off into ministry, and, and they were growing in the Lord to the point where they were following Him and, and doing great things, and, and they, they did not take the easy way or just want it. They got active. See, they weren't just thinking about God's unique call on their life. They weren't just wondering or, or wanting it or hoping for it. They took some actual steps. They made some moves. They got active. It's this getting active that this next section in the Bible book of Luke that we've been looking through is talking about and challenging us with. You see, we've been looking and exploring and, and walking through the Bible book of Luke. It started back in, in Christmas when we were reaching Christmas or reaching for the, the Christ of Christmas as we looked at chapters 1 through 3 of Luke. And then we were challenged to reach like Jesus and, and be involved with life change and overcome as Luke 3 and 4 talked. And then we were challenged to live out God's way of life that we can do, that we can overcome the, the temptations of life. And then we looked at the last part of Luke chapter 4 where we saw we're to be mindful that we can be held captive by so many things and yet we are to be set free 
by reaching towards Jesus. And then we can reach like Jesus and help others be set free as well. And now in Luke, we're challenged to reach like Jesus and get active. Not just coast or hope or just think it will happen. But here in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 32, Jesus encounters four different groups of people or some, they're just individuals, and gives us four ways to actively get about living life God's way, living out our unique call. Four ways to get active. And so I'd like for us to explore that uh, this morning. Uh, If you wouldn't mind just standing one more time and and let let me pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word this morning, to get active and and walk through it and learn what it has to say for us. And Father, I pray that uh, your spirit work in us. Challenge us with our own activity or our own inactivity, Lord, and help us to to get active for you and show us which point relates to us, which person relates to us and and help us to to take that step further even this week. Use this time, we pray in your son's name. Amen. You may have a seat and I encourage you to take out your your outline. You have it in there in in your worship folder. There's also a sticky, little sticky note in there. That's for something. We'll handle that during the second point. So put it somewhere so you can write and still get to the sticky. And if you uh, have your Bible with you open up to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. We, we'd like to provide one for you. Our ushers are running down the aisles right now or traveling quickly. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand up and they let you borrow that Bible. Remember, that's a loner. Don't steal the Bible. Uh, but if you'd like one, you don't have one, just after the end of the service, head to the back table back there. They'll be happy to give you a, a Bible that you can take home with you. But uh, <clears throat> four ways to actively go about living life God's way, four ways to get active, to reach like Jesus and get active. The first move is to get, a- to get active is to actively respond to Jesus. Open up to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> one day Jesus, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, it has a number of names, and Galilee and Gennesaret are the same. With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of them, uh, the one belonging to Simon, and asked he put it out a little from shore. He then sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep waters and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. Now you can read on later on, but the story gets fantastic here because they go out. And you can almost picture the anticipation as they let down the net and all of a sudden there's just a swarm of fish there and they begin to pull it in. The boat starts to, to wane and take on water and he signals for some other boats to come in and they come along and they take out all this fish and both boats are so heavy with fish they're about to sink. And Peter during that time says, Lord, get away from me. This is too fantastic for me to see. And yet Jesus says to him, uh, verse 10 second part then jesus said to simon don't be afraid for now you will catch men so they pulled their boats up to the shore and left everything and followed him an interesting thing happened in this interaction with jesus this group of fishermen tired from a night of fishing and deflated by an empty catch i don't know if you were a fisher person 
But if you've ever gone out fishing all night long or all day long and not caught any, anything, it's what? It's demoralizing, <laughs> especially when this you know, little kid throws their line in, ooh, look, I caught this big fish. And you're, oh. Or maybe you haven't quite experienced it like that, but you've experienced something where you've, um, you, you know, you've had that list of stuff to do and you've written down a ton of things to do and, and you've been really busy all day, but not a single one is checked off. It's, it's, it's demoralizing. It's deflating. It's, it's, it's no fun. And that's where these fishermen were all. They were just kind of sick and tired of fishing. And yet, Simon, in verse 5, Peter answers, Master, we've worked hard all night long. Haven't caught anything. And if you have your own Bible, underline this. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Peter actively responded to Jesus. Now, Jesus said it in the way of a command. He wasn't suggesting it. He, he was saying like a boss would say to an employee, put out in the deep waters, let down the nets for a catch. <clears throat> Peter didn't complain. Now, he did voice his opinion, but Peter actively responded to Jesus. Peter yielded his wants for rest, his desires, his feelings, his needs, and did what Jesus had asked. No excuses, no tantrum, no whining, no pretending he didn't hear. <laughs> You know we do that, right? You read your Bible, your own personal Bible study. You go to a Bible study. You listen to, to, to the word being preached or you're here in church and, and you know God speaks to you and says, oh, go, go visit that neighbor or, or maybe I should change this part in my life. And, and we kind of like go, ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> I didn't hear that, God. <laughs> or or we, we go and, and say, well, I know God said that to me, but he must not really mean it the first time. If he says it to me again, then I'll listen. <laughs> you remember your parents, how many times do I got to tell you to take out the trash? You know? And if you're a parent, how many times do I got to tell them to take out the trash? We are to obey and respond immediately. Peter responded immediately. He didn't ignore Jesus. He didn't wait for him to ask a second time. Peter got active and responded to Jesus, and so should we. Because Jesus says to us, even when we're tired, even when we're worn out, even when we're struggling with the trials that we deal with in life, we're still to respond to Jesus. Like when he says, get to know your neighbors and befriend them. Whether it's at work or at school, he tells us to live out <clears throat> what an authentic Christian looks like. He says to us, you see that? friend he needs a listening ear she needs a listening ear respond or maybe to that student who needs a mentor respond to jesus or to the elderly person who just needs some company respond to jesus answer the call because god has a unique call for each of our lives you know <laughs> how frustrating it is when we're sitting there with somebody and all of a sudden their phone just goes off or their leg starts to bzz, 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 and you know someone's calling just go ahead and answer it <laughs> we want to answer that call and god's calling us and there's moments in our time when we're <clears throat> challenged from god's word and he says do this and we need to respond to him now sure we could easily push away because we feel unworthy ah i'm not all spiritual uh, and that's probably the way Peter felt in verse 8 when it says, when Simon saw this, the, the miraculous catch of fish that, that about sank both of the boats, 
He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And we feel that way sometimes. We feel unworthy. I'm not worthy to, to uh, you know, help somebody out or to point someone the way. I'm still struggling myself. And we push away. In verse 9, it says they were amazed. <clears throat> that word amazement means just wow and filled with that uh, unworthy awe. And we feel that way sometimes. And yet, God wants to partner with us. Write down in your notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read the whole chapter, but verse 9 says this. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. In other words, God wants to partner with you. Not just the person next to you, but wants to partner with you to do amazing things, to do incredible things, to do earth-shattering things, to do eternal things. God wants to use you. He wants to partner with you. So respond to His call. (laughs) Sometimes uh, we wait for God to somehow uh, miraculously hit us with some uh, amazing spiritual motivation, you know, and all of a sudden we'll transform with this cape on our back and a big giant sea for super Christian and we'll jump out there and have all the abilities and it'll just be great. And so we wait for that. Come on, Lord, bring me that spiritual motivation. Somehow it'll, it'll come. And we sit there and so we try to gain it by going to Bible study after Bible study. We find ourselves in like five or six different Bible studies or we find it in th- going to three or four different churches and yet all the whole time we were so busy that, that our friend has someone has some need and, and we blow, blows by it because hey, you got to go to a Bible study to hopefully get filled with that spiritual motivation so I can go do something for God. And the person is saying, gosh, I just could use some help talk about spiritual things and oh, okay. How sad. We may be the only Christian influence in our home or at work or in school or in class or at soccer, and yet we're too busy to respond to Jesus. Ouch. (laughs) You see, God uniquely placed us where we are on the path of life that we're on with a unique personality and unique abilities and unique outlook and unique insights and unique experiences. Even some of the bad experiences we've had, God wants to use those So we would be the right person at the right time to be able to respond to God and make some difference. Uh, Like the guy who led me to the Lord, Jeff. Uh, He was from a divorced family just like me. God had him move into this low-income housing area just next to me so that when I was reaching out for God, he would be there. God has the same thing for you. He's placed you in the, 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 the place of life that you're in with the unique experience, some good, some bad, some struggling, and even given you a limp so that maybe you would be able to relate to that person like nobody else can. But it takes responding to Jesus. You know, that's why one of the reasons Jesus chose fishermen to be fishers of men. You see, they were used to thinking outside of themselves. And, and learning how to, to, to catch fish. They knew fish. They knew what it takes to, to get fish's attention. <laughs> and we need to apply that same principle, and they did, to, to people. And in verse 11, it says, they left everything and followed Jesus. Nothing is more important than responding to Jesus. So, so will you answer the call? 
Will you be like these fishermen and leave everything to respond to Jesus? Don't be inactive. Get active. And actively respond to Jesus as well. Actively deal with issues. Look at verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. (laughs) Then Jesus ordered him, "Uh, don't tell anybody. Go to the priests and, and offer the sacrifices that Moses had commanded and, and, uh, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. Can you imagine here's a guy covered with leprosy and now he's not? Uh, okay, the news spreads. And the crowd of the people came near to Jesus, healing from all their sickness, and Jesus went off to pray. This man had a glaring issue. Now, leprosy in that day was incurable, and the skin turned white many times, and fingers fell off, uh, different parts of the body fell off, and there was this, this incredible stench of rotting flesh that followed them. So it was hard to hide leprosy. I mean, you could try to cover it up, but the smell would get out. And once people found out, ooh, I'm clean. Matter of fact, you were kicked out of the city. You had to wear a big cowbell around yourself. So wherever you went, and you had to chant, unclean, unclean. So people would run away from you. You were uh, set off, ostracized, sequestered, uh, let alone, and you could never go into the city. This man had baggage. Some say leprosy was from sin, and it was, but most of the time it was just a disease. But it was baggage. And the truth is, (laughs) we all have baggage. Isn't that true? Emotional baggage that we carry with us, and, and a lot of times it's the sin that we harbor in our life. That's true. But also it's the different things of our life, those bad habits, uh, that quirky personality you have, <laughs> or the you know, not-so-nice things and tendencies you do. That's our baggage. What's in your baggage? What's in your bags? Inside your notes, I gave you that sticky note. Take it out if you wouldn't mind. And that's, that's your baggage. Take a moment and write some of the things you know that's in your baggage. <laughs> maybe it's your background. Now, if you, don't want, if you don't feel brave enough, don't do that. I don't want to put you uncomfortable. But, and take this out and stick it in your Bible to remind yourself to do what we're going to do in a moment. But maybe it's you know the struggles that you've had in your life. For me, I'm from a divorced family. My father and mother split up, and that's baggage for me. I also come from an alcoholic family. That's baggage for me. And, and I have some interesting issues. I'm a little obsessive and compulsive uh that's ocd for those of you in the psychology field um i'm not i am i'm not um i tend to be too driven and there's a lot of probably reasons why of that and i could probably list more and then i'd feel really embarrassed so i'll just let it go at that but we all have issues now one issue that we all have i want you to write down on the top of your list i want you to write down the word sinful now you may say wait a minute mike just go ahead and write that down The truth is, the Bible is clear, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's really the big thing that's in our baggage. (laughs) We're sinful. And it's a lot like leprosy, except you can't really see it until it breaks out somewhere. Because leprosy, not dealt with, will kill you. 
It'll just rot you away and soon you'll die. And the same thing is with sin. If you don't take care of sin, you will die and die eternally. In other words, you won't make it into heaven. Now, the problem with sin is a lot like leprosy then. There was no cure unless something miraculous happened. There's no cure for sin. We can't try to dress it up and, 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 and make it all better, uh, try to put on a nice suit and come to church and look all nice and memorize some Bible verses and all that and make it all go away. It doesn't work. There's nothing that can cure our disease of sin. Absolutely nothing humanly we can do. And that's why we need a Savior, someone to save us from this condition. And just like this leper with our sin, we need to come and fall on our face with Jesus because Jesus is the only cure, the only way we can deal with our sin problem. He's it. No other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. And so how we believe in him and how we take on this cure is through belief. Belief has with it some confessions. It's first of all confessing that we're sinful. Now some of you I know had a hard time writing that down. I know I'm not sinful. I didn't kill anybody. I haven't cheated too much. But you know, I haven't lied, well, really a lot. But you know, we have a hard time admitting that. The truth is we are. And one of the ways to first the healing is to realize like this leper, I got to get healed. And I'm sinful. Then it's another confession that says, I need a Savior. And then another confession that says that Jesus is my Savior. And then to commit your life to Him. That's belief. That's saving faith. Now, if you've come to that place in your life where you believe, then just take a line and cross through the word sinful and write the word Jesus right there over that. (laughs) Because He's the one who took care of it. But as you have listed, there are other things baggage that we need to deal with but we can still come to jesus with that the the leper shows us how he says this in verse 12 jesus was in one of the towns when the leper came to him now leprosy was a social disease like i said you didn't go near people and yet though this leper was shunned by others and requested and and told that he should never go into town he went ahead anyway He went and faced the embarrassment of his issue face on with people. People going, oh, oh, get away, and dealing with that. He brought it up. You know, there are some things probably that you have on your list that you need to bring up. Maybe not publicly in front of everybody, but you need help. And specifically, if some of those things you wrote down are habitual sin like that affair that you're having or the fact that you've been sleeping around or getting drunk or continually looking at porn. Those are sin. And they will mess you up all over. And they need to be dealt with. Sin has it with an addiction. And maybe it's time to bring it up and get the help you need. And I encourage you to get help. Any one of our pastors would love to help you in any way. We've got a great counseling team that would help you walk through this. Well, next, the the leper in verse 12 says he fell on his face before Jesus. He brought it before the Lord. He recognized Jesus' lordship. 
The word Lord is master, owner, supreme authority. Is he that in your life, really? Is he your Lord, your owner, your master, the one that you consult before you do anything? Is he? How do you know? How does he know? (laughs) He knows if we obediently follow his way, if we respond to him. Next, the leper asked, not demanded, but yet with humility, Lord, if you are willing. Now, Jesus is willing to heal any sin and to deal with any sin in our life automatically. If we confess, he will forgive. It's that plain. But the other issues that we deal with in life, the ones that uh, uh, hold us back, the disabilities and the struggles that we have, we go to those with him as well. Those are in our baggage. And yet sometimes he heals it and sometimes, write down 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at that story later. It's about the Apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh. He asked the Lord many times and for that piece of baggage to be removed from him. And it was not. God's grace is sufficient, meaning God has it there for a purpose. You mean God may have something in my life that's not sin, that's just an issue there for a reason? Yes. Paul says to keep him humble. I know for me, I, you know, I pray like crazy. God, remove this struggle I have with dyslexia because every time, every time I read scripture, the words just start to go, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and I'm trying to make it understandable for you. <laughs> and I wish God would just take it away. It, it, it's frustrating. But God keeps saying, Mike, you're going to do fine. Just keep going. <laughs> His grace is sufficient. We may want him to take away some of the issues we have. Man, would I have loved for him to have erased my past and for me to be, have a different past. But he doesn't do that. He says his grace is sufficient for us. See, the truth is, it may be tough, but it will not hinder God's plan. It won't hinder his plan. Nor will our quality of life be less in God's eyes. You may think because you have that disability, whether it's a limp physically or a limp emotionally, that, oh man, I'm less because of that. Not in God's eyes. He's, that's exactly the way he wants you to be. Exactly the way he wants you to be. And sometimes he gives us a new normal. So get active. Deal with the baggage in your life. It's most surely the sin, but it also the other issues. And take the effort to bow before Jesus and ask. And as well, follow Jesus' example in verse 16 when it says that Jesus often withdrew to a lonely pray- place and prayed. See, it's when we bow before Him, we talk to Him, we, we deal with our baggage, we need to have that constant conversation going with God. Not just praying when you're at church, but praying all the time. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Always be in that attitude of prayer. Because we all have baggage. We can't pretend it's not there. We are to get active and to deal with it, but not just focusing on ourselves. We are to actively care for others. Look at verse 17. 
One day, Jesus was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. And I, I find this interesting, don't you? That uh, um, here this guy who really needs the touch of Jesus is there. And who's blocking him? Religious people. People should already know the stuff that Jesus is talking about. Man, I never want to be like that. <laughs> where I stop people from, from coming to Jesus. When I'm too worried about what I'm learning and not learning about and, and not letting other people come in and learn as well. But when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles and into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. <laughs> you can imagine the scene. Here Jesus is preaching, his house is packed, and all of a sudden, you know, stuff starts falling from the ceiling, and, and all of a sudden you see daylight coming in, and all of a sudden here comes this, this person on a mat. And Jesus stands there, you know, the, the crowd is hushed. Jesus is kind of probably laughing and going, what's, you know, he knows what's going on because he knows everything. But the, <clears throat> he's there, and he looks up at the, the four guys, or the guys that are looking down on top, and he says, because of seeing their faith, this guy was healed. That amazed me. The truth is, is that things happen when God's people band together and, 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 and work, put on their work gloves together because we're better together. Write down Ecclesiastes, just ECC for short. Uh, chapter 4, verses 7 to 13. Look at it later. It talks about how we're, we work better together. We protect better together. We find meaning in our life better together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 puts it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another. That means getting together with one another and all the more as we see the day approaching, we were never meant to live in isolation. Never. Now, some of us uh, like to be around people, and some of us like to be less around people, and that's okay, but we're never to live in isolation. And we're to get active with others and to care about people. Remember Jesus' call in our life, Romans twelve thirteen. it says, share with God's people who are in need. In other words, that we're to, to help each other out like these brothers help this other one, to help them out and to gather together to help people who are our Christian friends and, and relatives and all those. We're to gather together, put on those work gloves and, and help each other. We can't not read the whole verse. It says, practice hospitality. And you know what the word hospitality means. It's two Greek words. It means being kind to strangers. That we're to be kind to those around us as well. It's what we are to be actively doing to caring for others, even those we don't know. And yes, there will be pushback. You can read later on in Luke chapter 5, 21 and 26, the Pharisees were selfish, uncaring, finding fault in the teaching so they could excuse or deflect their issue of their selfishness. We do the same when we want to be protective and defensive of our own comforts. I was meeting, I had lots of meetings with pastors this week from other churches, and, and one of them came to me, just wanted some encouragement because his church is, is growing, and he says, Mike, I'm not sure how to handle this. I've got people who are complaining that there are people coming to know Jesus and coming to our church. 
they're sitting in my seat. Oh, does your seat have a name on it? I mean, <laughs> well, it is formed, you know, to my rear, and I, I enjoy that one, but just for fun, sit in someone else's seat next week and see what happens. <laughs> But here's this poor church, it's growing and people are coming to Christ and, and there's people who are upset, well, I want things the way I want them and I like my little thing. See, we don't have an opportunity to do that and to be that way in God's family because it says to us we are to be kind to strangers. We're to let them in. We're to be open with other people. Sure, we can have our group of friends or we have our accountability group and have close friendships because we have those, that's great, but we should never be exclusive totally. We should always have opportunity and room for more and to welcome them in and to, to encourage them. So get active and care about not only your Christian friends, but people you don't even know. We need to get active, actively responding to Jesus, actively dealing with issues, actively caring for others. And lastly, I love this part, actively changing. Look at uh, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a, a great banquet for Jesus in his house and, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were eating with him Amazing, this life change happening right before our eyes in this, in this book here. Here was a wayward child of God, one of God's people, Levi, a Jewish name because he was Jewish and, and yet he was swindling money out of his fellow people. Being a tax collector was deplorable because you had to use uh, selfish means to get what you wanted. And you actually took the job because the way it worked back then is that the, <clears throat> the Roman government saying, we just want this much, but you can collect as much as you want and you can take as much as you want as long as we get this much. So a tax collector would go, oh, they only want a buck? Well, I'm going to ask for five and keep four. I need a new toga. I'll just charge more taxes. I need new sandals with that gold lace. I'm going to charge more taxes. I need a new swimming pool in my backyard, one of those fountains, you know, and, and I want to be able to have that. So I'm going to collect more taxes. I want a new chariot with those really cool wheels on the side. and the, You know, I'm going to collect more taxes. And Matthew got caught up in all that he could have and set living his affluent lifestyle. And then along comes Jesus he had probably heard about Jesus and, and something moved in his heart. And, and when Jesus looked him right in, the, right in the eyes and said, follow me, Matthew just got up <laughs> and followed him. And, and sure, Matthew could have just said, you know, I'm just going to add Jesus to my life. You know, kind of like a side dish. You're ordering, and oh, I like that side dish. <laughs> and we do that sometimes with faith. We say, uh, oh yeah, I like this religious stuff. It's good for me. And I'll take just a little Jesus on the side. <laughs> Especially when I need a job. Jesus, I need a job. Uh, or or, or we're, we're struggling with uh, some physical issues or mental issues, emotional issues. Uh, oh, a little Jesus on the side. Jesus, help me. And we kind of keep him at a distance, only there to kind of be there when we need something or when it looks convenient. And he's on the side. And yet if we're truly going to follow him, 
We need to put on those, those shoes and follow him and walk in his steps. And that's what it means to be a, a believer is to uh, change life. To actively change. Because how you know if you're not following Jesus is there's no change in your life. Look at your life. Is it changed? Is it, is it like Jesus in any way? Then you're changing. Great. Good job. Keep it up. But if you look at your life and there's no change, then you just got a little Jesus on the side. You're not really following him. It's so easy to pretend. You know, we can put on the, the Christian smile. Praise God. <laughs> Jesus, Holy Spirit, whatever one applies. Oh, yes, brother, sister. <laughs> we can look all spiritual and, you know, we'll, we'll pray. Anyone else pray? And we'll look all spiritual and we'll come to a few classes and come to Bible study if it's convenient. <laughs> and yet, there's no real changed life. To truly get active is to change your life. Matthew changed. You saw that in that he, uh, he, he held a banquet in Jesus' honor. That's as much as saying, I love this man. I want to be like this man. I'm having a dinner in his honor, and I want everybody, the whole world to know, I'm going to invite all my tax collector friends, the scum of the earth, and I want you to see that I've changed my life, and I'm following this man. That took guts. How many of you would stand up in your work and say, hey, I, when it's an opportune time, and say, I just want you guys to know I follow Jesus? <laughs> or at school, or at work, or in your neighborhood. And some of us even have a hard time standing up for Jesus in our own home. We need to follow him. Matthew changed his life. And if you ever doubt that, just open up to the book of Matthew and begin to read. And you see a changed man. You see how much he loved Jesus and spent time with him. His life changed as yours. It takes something to rearrange life Jesus' way. It's not impossible. It does take some effort. You can't just sit there and hopefully it just kind of happens. It takes some effort to live out God's truth and to put on those shoes and follow Jesus. To actively live life His way. It's not impossible. He gives us His Word and He gives us the Holy Spirit to help and to guide us. Now you can read on uh, because the Pharisees didn't want to change at all. They were happy with their stale, separatist religion of do's and don'ts and distancing themselves from people who really needed faith. We need to be careful not to do that, but to actively seek not only our own life change, but to help others experience the great life change that we've had as well. See, getting active goes against the world's lazy tendencies. The tendencies to say, don't work so hard. Don't go against the grain. Just coast, slack off. Yet to reach like Jesus, to live life to the fullest, to live out God's unique call is to get active. Luke challenges us. Get active and respond to Jesus. Get active and deal with your issues. Get active and care about others. Get active and be about change and continually change. So why not start today, right now? Let's pray.
Father, as we come before you, I know that as in hearing this, that some are challenged deeply and others are still trying to figure it out what you're saying to them. But Lord, I pray that you would meet each one of us at our point of need. Father, that you would help us. Holy Spirit, do some work in our lives and our hearts. Help us to see the areas that we need to get active in. Help us to fight against that sedentary, lazy lifestyle that's so easily about us, Lord, and help us to move forward, Lord, to answer your call, to deal with our baggage, to, to put on those work gloves and, and be helping others, and, and then, Lord, to put on those shoes to follow you. Help us to do that, Lord. Teach us, we pray in your son's name. Amen.